Welcome to the Knights of Sakamichi. Welcome back to Sakamichi Nights. We're here in Tachikawa again. We're in our tap room. It's nighttime and we're recording the podcast. That's right. It's all the things that you need to have a Sakamichi night. It's good to see you again, Daniel Bellamy. Yeah, it's been, what, four hours since I saw you last. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Yeah, mm. pretty good. I made pretty good dinner tonight Ooh. that I call homage to the good. Okay. All right. I'm intrigued. Uh, it was a courgette sauce pasta mm-hmm. with a side of cucumber. Yeah. Just all the goods yeah. you need. Yeah. How, how did that go down with the family? Pretty Literally. good. Literally. Yeah. My, my kids love cucumber. Like yeah. I can put a plate of sliced, sliced cucumber in front of them and they will, they will absolutely destroy it. That's good. Before they even start their dinner. Yeah. So as long as there's cucumber on the table, whatever I make for dinner is a hit usually. Mm. Okay. These days. Nice. That sounds good. I think uh, we both like cooking, mm. right? Do you ever cook something where you don't really know what it's going to be and you just kind of feel it out as you're going through? Like uh, you haven't got a recipe, you haven't even picked the ingredients. Sure, really. yeah. You kind of throw things together. Often often my hand is forced by what is on the verge of going bad in the fridge. Right. They go, I've got to use this. Let's just start. Let's let's throw all of these things in the pan and yeah. see how they come out. Yeah. That's kind of how this dish started, mm. the courgette pasta. But it's a big hit in our house now, nice. so I make it a lot during mm. the summer. Uh, courgettes are in season now as well, so there are a lot of courgettes everywhere. Yeah. You're looking at me like you don't know what a courgette is. I'm just wondering if, you know, not for me, but for our listeners, <laughs> they might want you to explain what a courgette is. Uh, I believe your people would call it a zucchini. Yeah. Um, some ridiculous word. We call them courgettes. Zucchini sounds, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a common word, obviously, in American English, but it sounds kind of exotic. Right. Like, I could see, if it weren't the name of a vegetable, I could see it being the name of a luxury automobile brand. I could see somebody riding a zucchini uh, scooter. Like, it's a bit like a Vespa or something, isn't right, it? Right, right. It's got a, I think it has like a kind of fashionable feel to it. Riding the zucchini. Like, oh man, I love that bag. Thanks. It's a zucchini. It's a zucchini. Uh, this is genuine zucchini fur yeah. that I'm wearing today. Yes, yes. Fresh, but only ethically harvested zucchini fur. Uh, well, the joke's on you. There's no such thing as ethically harvested I've zucchini fur. I've been lied fur. to. Yes. I've been lied to by big zucchini. <laughs> it's like clean coal. It doesn't <laughs> exist. It's not really a thing. Do you know what we call eggplants? I might pronounce it aubergine, but I think you go with aubergine. Aubergine. Yeah. That's right. So another... You know, exotic-sounding food. There. Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah, absolutely. You get kind of a designer brand name. That to me sounds like a luxury car. There's nothing like the purr of a V8 aubergine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see it. <laughs> so anyway, homage to the good today. Yeah, uh, I recommend it, and especially in the summer. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, we're not here to discuss gourds or goods yeah, in all their different forms today. We need a are spin-off we? podcast, don't we? Just That's all about gourds. Sakamichi mornings. <laughs> Sakamichi gourd talk. Sakamichi gourd talk. What are we here to do on Sakamichi nights? We are here to celebrate beer. Celebrate beer uh, that we have on our menu mm, in yeah. here. Uh, each week we pick one or two beers from our menu or from our fridges uh, and we drink them and we talk about them a little bit. Uh, what is the beer that we are going to be celebrating this week? Today's beer is called Pink Drink. It is a raspberry sour from Crucible Brewing 
uh, which I believe is in Washington State. Mm, in Everett. Yeah. In Washington State. Mm. Um, this is the first sour that we've tried on the podcast, I think. Yes. Yes. Well, there have only been about 12 episodes. Um, we're always drinking. <laughs> that's true. Yes. <laughs> the memory juice. Um, so it's, it's new ground for us. Mm. Uh, and also a new ground. Before we get into the beer, I've actually got a little bit of advertising copy mm. I'd like to read. Um, like a proper podcast. Now we have our first sponsor. Okay. So I'd like to say thank you to uh, The Sun for supporting us in this podcast. Uh, not the newspaper. The giant ball of flames mm. that is at the center of I've our it's solar a star. system. People say it's a star. Some people say that. Hmm. I've heard people say that. Um, but not only does it provide um, all of the energy for the barley and hops that we use to make beer, mm. but also life on Earth would not be possible without it. So mm. thank you for your support in making Sakamichi Nights possible. The sun. Okay. Let's try the beer. It's, uh, hang on a second. We can't just you can't just say that. And now we're just going to move on to the beer. Did the sun get in touch with you? Its representatives did, yes. Why was I not CC'd in on these emails? Um, I, I don't know. You might want to check your inbox. Seems unreasonable. All right. I mean, do we get paid for it or is it just like... Life on Earth would not be possible without it. So in a way, the sun is sun supporting us. Sponsors everything, yes. really. But specifically I've this podcast. I've never heard this on a podcast before. Well, You'd think they'd all be doing it. They're, they, they're just not showing the correct amount of gratitude to the sun. Do you know something I don't? <laughs> Is something going to happen? Uh, well, let's just say that the sun might be displeased with all other podcasts in the world. Okay. We are well, uniquely favored here. All right. Covering our bases, I guess. Let's try the beer. Yes. Pink drink. It certainly lives up to its name. Uh, it is pink. So that's it's, a good start. It's pinkish. It's and, kind of ambery. And it's a drink yeah. as well. Yeah. So... Two, two thumbs up so far. Hmm. What do you think of the pink drink? Uh, I feel like a lot of the kind of more mainstream craft sours that you drink these days, uh, and I might be splitting hairs here, but I think they, I would describe them more as tart than fully sour. When I think of sour, I think of like, uh, we had these candies when I was a kid. I don't know if you had them as well. They were called Warheads, and they would like make your face hurt they were so sour they were awesome they were mm. great mm. Um, and I don't want things to be that sour but I feel like a lot of sour beers that come out now are a bit like less sour kind of leaning more towards tart um, and I don't think that's a bad thing but I, I wonder if the breweries it's it's an attempt to to make them more wildly like have a wider appeal to them but I think this is quite nice it's a raspberry sour you definitely taste a lot of that raspberry character to it yeah, I think it's got raspberry puree in it, so genuine raspberries rather than mm. raspberry flavorings. And it's interesting that you mentioned some childhood candy because that's the strongest impression that I got of it as mm. well. I, I can't quite put my finger on exactly which one, but something about this beer really strongly reminds me of some sweets that I used to eat mm. when I was a wee lad. Um, I, I too favored the sour sweet and I particularly like ones that were so sour that the inside of your mouth would start to flake off yeah. as you were eating them. That's yes. what you want, yeah. right? Hurt me. Yes, that's what I'm looking for from a sweet. Um, but yeah, it's it's quite refreshing. It's not, mm. as you say, it's not super sour. We've had in a few sours, especially on draft, where the first sip of them is like a slap in the face. Mm. Um, 
I think that's one interesting thing I've found about drinking sours is that the first sip is often the sourest. Mm. The first sip is the sourest. That's a song, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Um, but then after that, I don't know if sort of your saliva adjusts or your mouth gets used to it, your palate adjusts somehow. Mm. It's a lot more drinkable mm. after the first sip. Um, but this one is not that sour. It's much more refreshing and really candy-like. Interestingly, uh, as I've had a few more sips of it, I noticed that there is quite a bit of malt character to this that comes in after the after the, the initial hit of sourness, tartness from the fruit, uh, which I think is maybe some other ones we had. I don't want to say that they finished out thin. Obviously, they had some malt character to them, but this one... Uh, I think has a lot more presence than some other tart or sour beers that we've had before. So the malts listed uh, on the can are two-row Pilsner, which is just very light, mm. doesn't really taste that much, and white wheat. Mm-hmm. And I think last year we had uh, a white IPA or uh, a sour IPA that had white wheat mm. in it. I don't remember exactly which one it was, mm. but I remember the white wheat giving it something of a sour character. Interesting. So maybe there's a connection there. Yeah, it's quite nice. This is also uh, in another first for the podcast. I mean, first we had uh, sponsorship from Celestial Bodies, uh, which is a great thing that I hope continues. Um, But this is also the first time that we are drinking the last of the beer. (laughs) So if people are are listening to this, trying to get tips on what to come in and buy, we've uh, we've thrown them for a loop this time. If you like the sound of pink drink, we cannot help you. No, this is the last can yeah. we have with pink drink. We do have several other sours in the fridge. Mm. Um, there's a TDM cranberry sour, yeah. which would be similar to this in its kind of fruitiness. Uh, and there's also a sour hazy IPA from Repubru. Mm. Uh, the Repubru sour that we had on tap before is the one that I'm thinking of. I think it was an apricot sour IPA, something like that. Uh, yeah. Was it peach apricot? Something like yeah. that, yes. And that one was really, really sour. It was, I recall. yeah. Um, but popular, though. Very popular mm. and very refreshing as well. Last week, we tried to pair the beer that we drank together with food. Mm. Um, I was great at it, I if you remember. It, I did it honestly. I hit the nail on the head. You cheated terribly. So this week, to, to take that cheating out of the equation... Um, I've prepared a, a fate polyhedron, um, also known as a dice, mm-hmm. uh, and six categories. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll this dice, and that will tell us the category of thing that we have to pair this beer with. Okay. Are you ready? Right. Are you ready to spin the wheel of pairing? Is one category of thing? So like one category would be food, and another category would be like let me tell sportswear you, brand? Let me, well, let me tell you what the categories are. We have food. Mm-hmm. TV and movies, mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. video games, mm-hmm. location, mm-hmm. and wild card. So that's anything you want it to be. It no. could be a brand of sportswear right. if you want. So I'll roll the dice once. Yeah. That'll choose the category. And then we both have to pair this beer with whatever the category okay. is. Are you ready? Location. Location. So if you were to drink this beer anywhere, where would you choose to drink it? It's, uh, I think it's a very festive beer. Um, it's fruity, it's light, it's quite tightly carbonated. So I feel like it would pair well with a hot climate and a festive atmosphere mm. somewhere, uh, maybe in the Caribbean or Central South America, Havana or 
Cartagena or somewhere like that. Mm, okay, that sounds exotic. Mm. I'm going to go a bit closer to home and say the beach at Zushi. Mm. This is where I think this this beer would be really popular. I agree that this is something you would pair with a hot location mm. and a fun activity. So I think sitting on the beach at Zushi, maybe under a parasol, because I am an extremely pale man, mm. um, but sipping this while looking out at the at the ocean down there, I think would be just right. It does have a bit of kind of gaudu character to it, doesn't it? Like it's kind of candied and bubbly and over the top. Mm. Uh, not and none of those things in a bad way, mm. uh, but you know, in terms of the color and the the total package, it kind of has a little bit of that um, yeah candied feel to it. You could certainly see this drawing attention down at the beach, which is what I'm all about. I'm I'm there at the beach to see and be seen, mm. uh, as you know. If only we had more of it. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do now? You're going to go down to the beach. I guess I'm just not going to go to the beach. I guess not. Is the answer. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should uh, not drink the last can of a beer on the show. Ruin all your summer plans. This is... Uh, a beer that was soured with lactobacillus. Mm. Uh, and I think, I haven't checked, but I think it was almost certainly uh, kettle sour. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you understand the term kettle sour to mean? Uh, well, the process of souring it happens in the kettle. Mm. As exactly. opposed to bottle conditioned sours, bottle sours. Is mm-hmm. that, a, am I on the right track? I'm sure that does happen somewhere, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, um, it's also sometimes called quick souring, uh, and I guess you would contrast it with the more traditional way of souring a beer, like before sanitation was a thing mm. back in the olden days. Who was our 15th century German that we had in here? Was it Rudolf? Dieter? Yeah, Rudolf? Yeah, Rudolf. sure. Why so for, to him, all beers would eventually be sour mm. because they're produced in not entirely sanitary conditions, and then they're packaged in wooden casks that are permeable. And so some beers that are produced in some parts of the world like that develop a really nice sour character over time. In fact, they may be better when they're slightly sour. Mm. And that's where traditional sours come from. It's just whatever the local microflora is, Mm. the microclimate, that stuff gets into the beer and over time it will turn the beer sour. Mm. But that can take years to achieve the results Mm. that you want it to. Um, so kettle souring is a modern way of doing this that is um, a lot faster. Basically, you make the wort from the, uh, the malt and the water. You boil it briefly to sterilize it. Uh, and then you cool it down and introduce like a sterile controlled lactobacillus strain. Mm. Uh, I think the technical term is you inoculate it mm. with the strain. Okay. Uh, and then you leave that for, I think, a day to three days. Uh, and that, over time, will turn the beer sour. Mm. The lactobacillus creates lactic acid, which is where the sourness comes from. Uh, and then you boil it again to kill all the lactobacillus. Sorry, guys, you did your thing. Mm. Now... Time to die. Time to die. <laughs> um, and then you, you proceed as normal. So you would uh, boil that beer, maybe add a little bit of hops, mm. uh, and then pump it into the tank, mm-hmm. have the yeast, uh, and, and ferment the wort into beer. So that's, uh, that's how a kettle sour is made. Mm. That's a, a modern kettle souring procedure. And that seems to be quite common these days. Common way to make sours, I find. Lactobacillus seems to be, I don't know, not maybe the most common one that we've seen come through here. Yeah, I think it is the most common 
um, because I think it withstands the range of sort of pHs and alcohol content or whatever is in there the best. Mm. Right? Um, there are some other bacteria uh, and yeasts mm. that you can use. I think on the last episode, I might have referred to Brettomyces as a bacteria. Mm. And I know that's not correct. Right. It's a, it's a yeast. Okay. So technically, it's a fungus. Right. But Lactobacillus is a bacteria. Mm. And there are some other bacteria that you can use, but I think, as you say, Lactobacillus is the most common mm. used one. Right. Most manageable. We have, uh, well, now that the pink drink is gone, we have four sours still in the fridge. We have the uh, the Sour Hazy IPA from Repub Brew. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about all of them. We have the TDM Sour Cranberry. We have two from Jackie O's Brewery, which is from Ohio in the States. Mm. Uh, two, two different sours, and they're listed as American Sour Ales, the two of them. Uh, we had one of those, and it was, it was quite a mild sour as well, mm. that one. Yeah, very pleasant. Um, which one of the beers would you like to talk about next? Or are we, are we going by method? Uh, well, it's kind of method. I think you pointed this out the other day that the two Jackie O's ones use something called the Solera approach. Actually, only the one does. The, the one. There's one called Salt, S-O-L-T, and there's one called Perpetuum or Perpetum. Uh, and the Perpetuum is, uses Solera method. Okay. What is that? So that's a slightly different approach where you kind of, you make the wort as normal. You make some fresh young beer as normal. Uh, and then you introduce it into a cask or a keg, some container that already contains beer that is sour, mm. that has been soured, that has the bacteria in it. And so you mix this fresh, non-sour beer with old aged sour beer, uh, and then you draw some of that mixture out uh, after it's all become soured to leave space to, to add in more fresh beer. Mm -hmm. So I think you're kind of keeping this... Um, this soup going mm. uh, for quite some time and the advantage there is that you can have a bunch of different yeasts and bacteria together in that stew that gives it a more unique character you're not just getting the the sourness from the lactobacillus but mm. you can have other stuff that's impacting the flavor right and giving it a really interesting and complex character mm. more similar to the way that traditionally sour beers mm. would have a really complex character because you're mixing regular wort in, perhaps that's the reason why we found that one to be somewhat understated, right? Mm. Mm. That's right, yeah. Uh, it's different. So you're not just getting a big punch of sourness in the face. Mm. But you're getting a bunch of different things all at the same time. There is one other method of souring that we don't have it at the moment, but we've seen used recently um, by Shiokaze Brew Lab mm -hmm. and Chris Poole. Yep. Um, so they've been using um, a new kind of yeast that was developed by Lalamand. Um, Philly Sour, yeah. I think was the name of the yeast. Mm. Uh, and that yeast produces both ethanol and lactic acid as part of the fermentation. So you don't have to sour the beer in the kettle beforehand. Mm. It naturally becomes sour over the course of the fermentation. Uh, and we've tried some of the sour beers he's made, and they're pretty sour. Yeah. Uh, so it definitely works, mm. uh, and it's quite an interesting new way of approaching it. Yeah. Philly sour was interesting. I feel like we've seen this with a few other kind of hot ticket things recently. It's interesting to me how quickly breweries get on to these different things. Uh, I know Chris was using the Philly sour, and we talked to him about it, and then it felt like 
every, every we get emails from different breweries letting us as a shop know when they're releasing a new beer. And it seemed like I saw three or four beers come out shortly thereafter that also used Philly sour yeast in them. Uh, it's kind of the same thing that happened with the cold IPA and, uh, you know, that, that HPC 472 hop that we use, the, the red IPA one that we used. Um, it seems like when something new comes out, a lot of breweries are like, we want to make something with this. We want to get on it straight away. And I can understand the appeal of having a yeast that is also going to sour your beer as an easy way to make sours or fruited gosés or things like that uh, to get that effect without having to to deal with other methods that might be more difficult or more complex or harder to dial in. Or just more time-consuming. Mm, right? Yeah. Um, if you are like Chris and you're, you're doing brewing at other breweries, making this sour as a kettle sour would mean that you'd have to go to that brewery several days in a row. You want to make the wort and then you've got to leave it and then you've got to keep checking on it until it... Uh, it attains the right pH mm. and then you can proceed with the rest of the boil. Right. Whereas with the Philly Sour, you can just make the beer and, and let it go, mm. essentially. It is interesting when new products hit the market, like the Philly Sour or like the HBC 472, mm. and they're, they're the hot item mm. for a while. But while there are new hops being released on a fairly steady basis, I think this the yeast is a bit more unusual, isn't it? Mm. You, it's, a, it's an entirely new way of making beer. Mm. So that is, it's maybe a bit more noteworthy mm. than just a new strain of hop or a, a kind of a marketing way of describing beer mm. as in a, a cold IPA. For sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, but I think everybody is looking, I mean, pe- people who make beer are, are generally creative types. And so you're, you're always interested in trying something new uh, seeing how it fits in your your current understanding of the ingredients that you have available to you. And um, obviously, you're not going to figure that out just by smelling it, or reading about it. You need to actually use it in a beer and, and figure out how it works for you. And, and then I think it goes in your in your ingredient cabinet, in your pantry for, for use later on other beers that, that suit it. Goes in your yeast locker. Hmm, your yeast locker, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's it's quite interesting when something new like this comes along and a lot of people are using it all at the same time because we can all collaborate and share information about best practices kind mm. of just as we discover them. Mm-hmm. So for this new yeast, because the, the beer it produces is so sour, I would wonder, is it possible to then repitch that yeast? Mm. Or what are the best practices for repitching that yeast? Do you have to clean it in some way or can you just straight repitch it. Obviously, mm. it's going to make the next beer sour as well. So you're going to have to make another sour beer. Um, but yeah, the the ways of doing simple things like that are kind of being figured out in real time mm. by everybody as something new is being released. Yeah. Have you uh, have you tried... We tried a bottle of the... I'm not sure if we tried both of the Jekios. I think we tried the salt, which is the one that's made with uh, sea salt and coriander seeds, I think. Kind of a gose kind yeah. of thing. Uh, I thought it was very nice, very very drinkable. Um, we haven't yet tried the perpetuum, which is the the Solera method one. Uh, have you had a chance to try the the Repub Brew Sour Hazy IPA? Uh, I have not, not yet. Have yeah. you tried it? Uh, I haven't tried it either. Uh, obviously, we we drink a lot of beer here, and uh, it's on my agenda. But things have to get scheduled in, or I'd be drinking seven beers every night it's one of those beers it's a sour hazy ipa 
So there's a little part of me that wonders, like, are they just kind of ticketing, ticking marketing boxes on this one? Like, hazies are, are still pretty hot and sour beers are, are pretty popular as well. Uh, but at the same time, Republic makes good beer. Like, they, they know what they're doing. We've had a lot of their other stuff that's, uh, that's been really good. So, um, you know, I don't doubt that it's a great beer. Uh, but um, I, I will say that my curiosity is piqued. The one that we had on tap, the peach and apricot, mm. was also a sour, hazy IPA, as right. I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we got it, we weren't sure which one of those things was really going to be the standout characteristic. It was definitely a sourness. Yeah. I mean, it was hazy to mm-hmm. look at, but you didn't really get any bitterness from the right. hops. It was it was full-on sourness from that one. Uh, and so Repubra do have, I would say, a pretty strong track record of mm. making good sours. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to trying that one too. Yeah. Have you had any other sour beers that really stood out to you? There's one that I remember from a brewery that I went to in Edinburgh when I was back there last can't remember the name of the brewery, mm. unfortunately, but they had tried to make a beer that tasted like sherbet, like sherbet dip dabs, mm. um, if that's a reference, if, if you had those in America. It's kind of a stick of yellow candy oh, yeah. that you dip into the sherbet yeah, and yeah. eat. And it absolutely did taste like that. Mm. It, was, it was really quite remarkable. Mm. And I think that's often a kind of, uh, a touchstone that people who are making sours are going for. They want to make something that tastes like a candy that you had when you were mm. when you were young, because they share a lot of the same flavor profiles. Right, right. they're going to be fruity and sharp and yeah. fizzy. Mm. And we we've said that when we cracked open this can, right? Kind of candied candy character to it. Exactly. Yeah. We had you know this. It's so bad to bring up beers we can't remember where they came from or what beer they were. But we were in here drinking a can that a friend of ours brought in, and it was a key lime pie. Goze? Mm. Was it a goze? It was a key lime pie, something or other, uh, and uh, it also had like a, a tartness, kind of almost bordering on sourness uh, from the lime taste to it, but one of the things we remarked on with that beer was that they nailed the flavor profile top to bottom. Like there was an almost meringue-like element to it. There was like a Graham kind of maltiness to it. Uh, It was really spectacular the way they kind of hit those flavor notes uh, like throughout the experience of tasting just a mouthful of that beer. It was really incredible what people are able to do with uh, just hops and malts and a bit of fruit these days. You really could taste every layer mm. of the key lime pie, couldn't you? Was it key lime pie or was it lemon meringue pie? Something like that. Maybe I'm, yeah, maybe I'm conflating it with the Shio Kaze uh collaboration uh, in the limelight with yes. the, was the lime goze, right? You're right. It was a lemon meringue pie yeah. and it had all of those things in it. Very, very delicious. Yeah. Um, what do we have coming up over the next couple of weeks? Well, we have, uh, as always, we have new beers coming in. You know, things sell out of the fridge and we bring new stuff in. We have, uh, not to go through the whole list, but we have, next week we have a few uh, mixed cases of Fort Point coming in. We haven't had Fort Point in before. We have two different mixed cases, so I'm guessing that's uh, maybe six or seven different kinds of uh, Fort Point beer, um, which is all really good stuff. So I'm looking forward to that. Obviously, we're uh, kind of hoping that from the 21st that things will be under control enough 
that we'll be off the state of emergency and we'll be able to open up and drink in again. Uh, if that's the case, we do at some point have a bunch of uh, four or five different uh, Voodoo Ranger, New Belgium Voodoo Ranger IPA variant kegs coming in, which we had planned to do some sort of voodoo event no rituals or anything just have the we'll beer do the on. rituals before we open right worshiping the sun and you know some mild sacrifice um but before we open the doors uh so yeah if we get those in and if we're open for business then we'll do kind of a voodoo ranger ta- takeover thing and i've heard that we may have some swag for that but mm. if it's not in our hands i don't want to promise anything yeah we'll uh we'll keep everyone updated with that um, as more information comes in. Um, So we don't know whether the state of emergency is going to be extended or not. We're watching the news just like you. Um, But if it isn't, and if we're allowed to open again from the 21st, we will, of course, let everyone know and hope to see you in here for a beer, provided that uh, that it's safe to do so. Um, We also have new T-shirts at the moment, a very cool new design that you made. Um, It's a new color for us as well, uh, a deep blue color. You yep. put a navy blue? Uh, the t-shirt company calls it Indigo. Indigo. Mm. So cool Indigo t-shirts with uh, a cool yellow logo on those. Check them out if you have a moment. Um, that's about all we have time for this week. Um, it's been a sour old time sitting here with you. It's good. And this yeah. can of pink drink. Mm. The last can of pink drink. Yeah, but we have lots of other sours in the fridge, so please do come in and check them out if you're in the area. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you checking out our little podcast. Thank you very much for listening.